The smell of eggnog and the subtle sound of jingles fills the air. Half the team are down with post-conference lurgy. And our sugar desk is three inches deep with stickers. It can mean only one thing. It's our second annual reInvent special. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> and double bonus, instead of biscuits, we actually have a box of celebration. So thank you, Carolina. For yeah, thank you, Carolina. No problem. That's why I've got a microphone this time around. <laughs> Just to take the thanks. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, as usual, we have Sai here with me. Sai, hey, how's Alex. things going with you? You you sound not ill for a change. I I am actually not ill. <laughs> so, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the uh, the change of drugs. And I am not going <laughs> to say what drugs. Uh, but you sound ill. What's going I on am. here? I am. I didn't even get to go to a conference. I, I think, as, as one of our guests mentioned earlier on when we were in warm-up, uh, I don't actually have the right to be ill because I didn't actually attend reInvent. So that's why I'm looking forward to today because then I can slurp up all the knowledge from from what's been going on. Absolutely. And you mentioned our guests. So we have two guests, two special guests actually in, in, uh, recording with us. Uh, I'll let them introduce themselves. Let's start with Kyle. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, yeah. Yeah. So hi, my name's uh, Kyle. work here as a, in Rackspace as a solutions architect. Um, but I guess I specialize on, I guess why I'm here more than importantly, <laughs> uh, I specialize in, in AWS uh, and have for the last few years. Um, background before that is, is everything really from the on-premises, from a, a Microsoft consultancy background to uh, focusing on VMware for a little bit and, and now obviously just, just on AWS. The one Fantastic. true cloud, as, yeah, exactly. as you repeatedly <laughs> tell us, and have tattooed. I can see it from here. And, uh, yeah, my, my <laughs> laptop stickers might, might refer to that, yeah. <laughs> They're about three inches deep as well, I think, aren't they? It might be, yeah. <laughs> and, and talking about stickers and the one true cloud, we also have Simon. Hey, Simon. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Simon Tracy. I work as a manager of a specialist solution architecture team at AWS. And along with Kyle, I was at reInvent last week, and yeah, Really, really enjoyed it. So looking forward to talking about it today. Brilliant. So how was it? I mean, what was, uh, was it as buzzy? Is it getting bigger every year? I mean, you always hear about these conferences and it's like another 10,000 people this year and we walk 20 <laughs> more miles. Yeah, it was definitely big. Definitely big. Yeah, I mean, it's my first time in Vegas. Um, so it was a bit of a culture shock. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, it was very busy. A lot, lots of walking. I think I average about 17, 18,000 steps, which might not be that, that much. That's part-timer for some of the ones I've yeah, seen. Yeah, I know. I've seen, I've seen a lot worse, but that was an average. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very big, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to compare to last year, so I was fortunate enough to be at reInvent last year as well. And as you said, the size, the scale every year increases. Mm-hmm. The one thing that doesn't change, though, for me is the excitement, the kind of buzz in the atmosphere you get from the people there. So, yeah, 65,000 people there this year, and, and like yourself. 65,000, Yeah, it's all yeah. Right, yeah. I, I destroyed all my previous records for my pedometer, uh, which has been <laughs> very good for my health. Sounds like you destroyed the pedometer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, just really, really exciting to see how many customers and partners like yourselves that were really, really into it, some excellent, excellent examples of how to utilize AWS. Awesome. Cool. Sounds good. And I mean, talking about AWS, the event itself, I'm pretty sure from a uh, from a crowd perspective and technology perspective, there must be quite a few things that kind of like shocked and awed everybody. Mm. Yes, we always look forward to the announcement. So should we get dug into uh, the first few? So what do you what do you reckon, Kyle? Um, were the what jumped out at you as like the biggest ones that had the most interest from your perspective? Yeah, I guess for for me it was really the the focus around around ML. So it was there was a lot of announcements around uh, SageMaker in itself, um, but there was also ML around the the, the services 
around it. So the other services that will use ML to, to complement that as well. So, so integrating it into mm, other services. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was a, a service called uh, Code Guru, which will review the code um, and, and kind of highlight any any problems around that and, and, and stuff for you for review. So kind of a bit of a QA around that, but an, an, an ML version of it. And then there was a, two services which sound very similar, which is difficult to say, but there's a, <laughs> this fraud detector, um, which is used, and it's built on the kind of Amazon.com um, history around that. So they use some of their own technology um, around that. So you can you can upload your data to, to S3, for instance, and point it to that. Um, It'll use ML to try and detect some some fraud around the off-road and activity. Yeah, that's the purpose. And then they've got a similar service called Detective, um, which is a security feature, which will go away and look at things like guard duty um, and things you've got in Security Hub, and it'll, it'll, it'll kind of go down to that root cause. So if you find problems and you want to try and find the root cause analysis, it uses ML to, to use that and, and help you with that. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that really does um, feed into some of the things that we've seen before around what's the future of natural language programming and these kind mm -hmm. of things where actually if you can automate away the hands-on piece and get a much better quality of code and you can then focus on on outcomes rather than actual coding absolutely i think it's it's a it's a great example of the whole shift left methodology that we talked about in our previous episodes the fact that the more you can automate these things and catch these issues at code side you're saving so much time and effort and money when it goes into production so simon with talking about all these things, the new products, etc. From from your discussions with customers and from your discussions with other people who were at the event, how much excitement and uptake did you see about these things? So yeah, all of the announcements that you would have seen at reInvent in the last week are derived from either what we are expecting our customers to want or usually over 90% of all of the features and developments that AWS release are from direct customer uh, desires or requests for enhancements on new services on the platform. And that's something we're really keen to try and push forward is letting customers drive the platform and also partners as well where they've got exposure to a large amount of customers can really give us some very good insights. Cool. Um, Simon, in, in your perspective, what did you find interesting from this year's readment? So there's, yeah, there's a large amount of the releases to be able to consider in that. But one of the things I always personally like is that uh, in addition to all the excellent enhancements and features to the services we've already got, is there's always a number of brand new services that have just come out of left field from my perspective. Um, the only once they're released, you can see where the customer demand for that is. So in previous years, we've had uh, Snowmobile, for example, mm -hmm. which is literally a truck that people can use to download their data and migrate it to the cloud at speed, whether that be you know, petabytes or exabytes of data. Uh, last year, we had Ground Station, a service that allows you to communicate with satellites. And, right. and for me this year, that service that I, I didn't know was coming, but was super excited to see, was actually uh, AWS Deep Composer, uh, an ability mm. to create <laughs> music using ML, um, complete with a, a keyboard available as well. So that, for me, was one of the most exciting things I saw. Uh, in addition to that, I really enjoyed the keynotes, um, and I was pleased to see that they were still a lot of fun in addition to being uh, educational and technical devices. So mm -hmm. to kick off the Andy Jassy keynote on Tuesday, uh, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, who was one of the keynote guest speakers, was actually a DJ at the event. Wow. Uh, wow. Trying to keep that, that, yeah, that fun party atmosphere that a lot of our customers have when they come out to the event and, and really build on the enthusiasm for what was a great week. 
breaks away from the traditional model of IT conferences a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, bring a bit more excitement and interest. And, I, and I'm and I'm holding back from uh, puns about composer and keynote. Uh, <laughs> but that's that actually to that point though. I think uh, what I'm what I'm really passionate about, or what I think has been most fascinating when I've seen the previous events, is things like Deep Racer. You know, where you have these quite out of left field, unexpected um, products and services that come out for various reasons. So when we look at Composer, um, you know, that's obviously around uh, enabling and helping people to learn and develop their skills, which is great. And then we look at something like Deep Racer where Deep Racer was there to, although it's it's a fun thing to do now, actually the, the end aspect of it or the, the outcome is going to be um, learning in that AI space for actual vehicles in, in the real world. Um, now, I understand that at the events they have a, a competition for Deep Racer? They do. <laughs> so at uh, AWS reInvent and also AWS Summits, which we have all over the world, uh, we encourage people to take part in the Deep Racer League. Ah. And this is where individuals or organizations can take part to try and have the fastest time uh, around our course using a deep racer. Uh, it's highly competitive. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but also a lot of fun. And it's something I encourage anyone at the events to, to try their hand out because, it, yeah, like you said, it is an excellent opportunity to get hands on and really develop your skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And, and there's a there's a video you can watch, and they kind of showed it before the keynotes as well. But if you, if you have your time, go go and watch it again. But put a link in the show notes. Can't we, Caroline? Yeah, we can do it. I guess. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it shows the the contestants over the year and how they how they qualified initially. But it shows you their backstory and a lot of oh. them are kind of engineers. But there were some families there that were doing it with. Like, there's one story where his father was doing it with his son just to learn Python. And oh, I thought that cool. was that was pretty cool. And you see him trying to qualify, and then the, the best racers then go to the main event. Um, and it was like people were going around the track in like ten seconds. It was crazy. But they explain how they mm. how they do it, you know, and the, the waypoints that they use, and how they train the the machine learning to to go around the track. It was really it's really interesting. So it's an enjoyable way to learn, and also even develop yeah. the next generation of uh, folk who want to come yeah, into exactly, this whole yeah. IT space, isn't it? And the, this is one thing I, I really find very exciting because I know we've launched all these products. AWS works with them. We talk to our customers about it. A lot of these products are about businesses and how to make things happen for work. But the whole deep series, I really find that interesting because there's so much emphasis on learning. Uh, I know we talked about Deep Racer. Now we're talking about Deep Composer uh, and Deep Lens. The whole fact of helping developers and people who are sort of unknown to the whole ML world Mm. gives them so much opportunity to learn about it and use it. It's fascinates me yeah it makes it really accessible and mm. actually kind of for want of a better phrase interesting and exciting which indeed you know from the outside world you know we all love a bit of it but <laughs> some people you know when you're at a party and you go i work in it yeah oh, that's lovely who else can i talk to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so actually bringing these things in is making exactly. it real in the real world so i think it's awesome true i think it's also you're now seeing non-it related people getting very excited about IT, let's say, what would have traditionally been IT products. When we talk about driverless cars or whatever it may, may be that we're looking at, these are deeply technical devices that we're talking about, but they have captured the public interest. Yeah. Um, and so we're in a very interesting time, and we are going to need, you know, talking to your point around helping people skill up and educate themselves, we are going to need you know, a lot of highly skilled individuals in the future 
for all this development that's going to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. The, the, I think the, the, you kind of raise a really interesting point there around um, why why is this so interesting to people? And I think it's because IT is finally growing up a little bit. <laughs> and we've talked about this on quite a few previous shows is actually looking at what is it that businesses want, yep. right? So we as technologists, it's very easy for us to talk about bits and bytes for one of a better phrase. But, you know, actually looking at the real outcomes what is the what is the business outcome what is the what is the outcome to the world of these types of technologies it's the thing that they're enabling it's not the thing itself that's the important bit um, and I think that's something we can take from these types of uh, activities or these types of announcements is actually Indeed. it's making it more real and I think that's really critical that we all kind of look up from the keyboards once in a while to to look at those things yeah absolutely see see the world of IT in a new light so, so great. I mean, we talked about quite a few products there already. I know, Kyle, you mentioned ML, and Simon, you mentioned a lot of the other stuff that comes across. Um, one thing I picked up from uh, the notes that came across is the focus on security products. And I see, I know we already mentioned a couple. We talked about fraud detector and detective. But I also noticed things that focus more on compliance and security. Is there anything on that side that you can share with us? So yes, there was a, a number of new security features announced to a, a range of different services. Um, and some of these were making the services quicker and easier for our customers to utilize them at, at scale. Um, and a good example of that is some of the announcements around S3. Um, now, people think of cloud services as still being very new and burgeoning technology. Uh, but S3 has actually been around since 2006. Uh, you know, so it's 13 years old. And it's almost as old as VMware wow. and things like that, isn't it? Like, yeah. Which are what are deemed these days to be super mature technologies. Yeah, so during that time, it's gone through an enormous amount of changes and updates and modifications. And you know, the sheer amount of scale that people store on S3 now means that we've, we've had to continue to evolve it. Uh, so one of the examples of services released was S3 access points, uh, which effectively allows us to abstract... Uh, security, especially when we're dealing with very large data sets and we want to give very specific permissions to different individuals, maybe across a large amount of individuals Mm -hmm. and and have a lot of control over that. Uh, So I thought that was a really pivotal announcement. Yeah, and I guess on that, one of the um, new services that were released for for IAM as well. So IAM, just like S3, is a fairly fundamental service for for any sort of AWS customer. But this was a service um, called Access Analyzer that was introduced. Um, So you can Run it within IM, or you can you can integrate it with um, Security Hub, for instance. Mm-hmm. And effectively, you create um, like a zone of trust within that within the account. And if it monitors the policies, so if it's IM policies, S3 policies, um, even KMS key policies, and that sort of stuff. And it'll detect any changes to that, and then you get alerts and reports around around access. Um, and it allows you to kind of modify policies that are not needed as well. So if it picks up any policies that are, are redundant, you can go in and, and remove them and, and clean them up, you know. So it's just, it, it's again, it's one of those features that it might be fairly small in all the announcements, but these are things that, that I'll particularly be taking to my customers, for instance, mm-hmm. um, and be used, I think, quite a lot across the board. You know? Well, the business, business benefit there that you're talking about is not only with with Simon's point, the kind of um, rule of least privilege yeah. and being able to apply that, but actually then in highly compliant environments, being able to track how how you are applying policy and how you ensure that the platform is secure. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it sounds like very small details, but actually small details end up in having massive impacts to business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Kind of makes sense completely around the usability. So as you say, uh, Alex, as you were saying, it's not about the, the big products that 
discover and and bring in new uh, ways of working, but also enhancements to existing products. So it it helps a lot. Um, I mean, talking about enhancement to existing products, uh, one of the things that I noticed or picked up was the new EC2 service. Do do we have any information on those, um, Simon? Uh, So so yes, they did announce the second generation of Graviton processors, uh, which have up to a seven times performance improvement over the original generation. Uh, but that wasn't the only hardware announcement uh, at reInvent. There was also the announcement of the INF1 processors as well. Mm-hmm. The INF1 chips, uh, an instance that powers AI inference in the cloud. Uh, it'll have lower latency and three times higher throughput and up to 40% lower cost compared with our existing G4 instances, which were based on the NVIDIA chips. Um, but there were also announcements around Nitro. Um, Kyle, did you... Want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so during the the keynote, it was quite good because they they really focused on um, kind of cementing that that choice around around customers that are using AWS, right? And started with the the hardware, and then went into a few of the services. And it was really a kind of under the cover look, which I thought was was really interesting. And I guess a lot of the techs in the audience would lap that up. We all like that sort of stuff. Everybody um, wants to know how it works. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, but they show the history of of the Nitro instances, which were um, was it two thousand. It was a few years ago they announced the, uh, the Nitro hardware and how so just for the that. benefit of our listeners before we dive into that what what are the Nitro instances specifically used for and why is it that we have this specific custom hardware it's effectively it's it's AWS's um, custom hypervisor right and how they've developed that over the years and they and, and, and they went on to how they've kind of separated cards out um, so they've got a separate card now for kind of networking so the VP side VPC side of it and the EBS uh, storage side is now a separate card for that. And it just means they can offload that as well. And I think they've more recently with the G5, and Simon might correct us if I'm wrong, but they're offloading the, the control plane as well now with, with a card. As well. And it just means that that hypervisors has got that tiny footprint. Um, and it means that you can get the increased network throughput, um, the increased storage throughput, uh, and have that the, the tiny hypervisor, which is very close to kind of Ben. So I think this is, is a continuing uh, trend, and it's something we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, previously we've had the release of AMD chipsets, which are denoted with a, a small A next to the instance type when you're deploying it on AWS. Um, and it's giving customers a wider range of choice depending on the type of workloads they want to do. And I think that's something we're probably going to see more of, I would suspect, in the coming years, uh, depending on individual use cases. We'll see. We see, I think, that... Um you know, the scale that AWS are operating at, this is why they've ended up having to do these kind of things. You know, the old joke is the the, the cloud is just somebody else's computer. Yeah, and yeah. Ultimately, it is, you know, it's, it's easy <laughs> to forget that. But where I think for me, it's really particularly interesting is when we then start looking further and further up the stack. We've already alluded to that earlier on when we talked about um, the extrapolation of these services, you know, on, on for example, on uh, code and so forth. Um, I guess if I was to take my extrapolation next, the thing that I've been looking at a lot recently is data. And I understand Mm. there were some announcements around data services as well. Yep. Uh, So yeah, there was a number of different data services announced. Uh, One that caught my eye, um, and again, I think it's a continuing trend on AWS, was the announcement of Managed Cassandra on AWS. And this follows the trend of the announcement at reInvent 2018 of Managed Kafka. Uh, and it's increasingly bringing services that a number of our customers are using and, and maybe running on AWS on EC2 and providing them the experience that AWS has garnered through running very large-scale mm-hmm. NoSQL databases mm-hmm. in this instance and providing the reliability and the scaling that goes with that, but allowing them to use the particular database flavor that they want to use or their business is invested in. 
Uh, so again, I'm expecting to see more of those kinds of releases in the future. That's very interesting because looking at the trend, as you say, about Managed Cassandra and Managed Kafka, it is the move from a IaaS type model to a more of a PaaS type solution. I think it helps overall because you, you take so much of the uh, of the requirement to understand what 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 do you need to run in terms of hardware and then you need to look at networking and storage, all that complexity, it makes it easier to start off something with it and, and sort of take it forward. The barrier to entry is just removed for a exactly. lot of ideas and it, it opens up, you know, I'm a massive fan of PaaS, PaaS concepts and SaaS concepts are not new, but it still amazes me how much resistance there is um, to adopting them and I think as we move forward if we're going to accelerate with this new we talked about this next generation of people coming through into it etc they're going to be extrapolated away from that and they're going to want to utilize these services because they can get more value quicker by using them so um, the more easy it becomes through enablement of these services you know the faster we'll adopt it and then the positive outcomes will come off the back of that the actual true business benefits I i think it comes down to what is the point of differentiation for your business and so coincidentally i actually had a conversation with a customer on the the sunday before reinvent began and they are a large consumer of cassandra on ec2 right. um, and they wanted to potentially move to DynamoDB because they wanted to take advantage of the the scaling benefits the ease of management you know those paths benefits we've been yep. talking about and the only reason they wanted to make that move was because they wanted to get that ease of use, get rid of the undifferentiated heavy lifting. This now fits squarely into what that particular customer would want to do because managing a database cluster for them is not what gives them a point of differentiation as a business. It is what they're doing with that data. It is the code they develop themselves. That is what makes them stand out as an organization. Yep. And, and that's where I think a lot of organizations are asking for these types of releases. Yeah. Um, thanks for that, Simon. That's uh, those points and the products that we discussed today. I mean, I know there's there's going to be loads more that people found exciting, and I have a huge list here that that I found really exciting. And I don't think that we have enough time to go through all there's of them. Never enough time. There's mm-hmm. so many announcements. Time. Exactly. Um, so I think just as a uh, as a final point, uh, Kyle and Simon, is there anything else that you think re- was really stood out for you uh, in this event? Yeah, for me, and again, come back to a lot of my customers and, and getting them the value of the services they're using. Um, There's a few announcements around the container services. So the, I guess the big one was was EKS on Fargate, which basically it didn't, Fargate itself can run the, the, the containers or the, the dockers for you as a kind of serverless fashion, if you like, for a better use of term. Um, and effectively now we can integrate with, with EKS. So you create the EKS cluster as normal. Um, but the Fargate will manage the work and nodes as part of that. So it um, it gives that, you know, bringing the value of the business further up the stack, if you like, rather than having to manage their own Kubernetes cluster, right? Which, who really wants to do that? Right? <laughs> um, and then as part of Fargate as well, we can now support spot instances. So we can get, um, you know, it can be a lot more cost effective for them short-living. Now that tasks, you know? is really game-changing, I think. Yeah. From a value to businesses, it's easy to say the cloud is cheaper and so on and so forth, but actually these are the kind of services that does enable those cost savings yeah. as you move into the cloud. So yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And then, again, it's them small features that kind of go under the radar but can be really effective for our customers, you know. Massively. Um, and same with, with ECS as well. ECS now supports auto-scaling, which you could always do, really, but it was it was managed outside of ECS, um, and now they've brought it inside of ECS, so it, it, it knows the desired task account, uh, task, task counts as well um, and it scales beyond that as well rather than just standard easy to 
Very cool. Skill. So plenty of technological advancements, plenty of business advantages yeah. from uh, some of these announcements. Um, I, I don't know about you, Sai, but mm-hmm. I actually am uh, I'm fully consumed now <laughs> in announcements. I am really keen to jump into our final section uh, while we still yeah. have time, which is on the uh, the book recommendations. Yes. So um, if we go to Simon first, what would you say would be uh, a great book that you've read of late that you'd recommend to our listeners? So I, in preparation for this, <laughs> have, uh, I've scrolled through my Amazon account and looked at the last book that I purchased. <laughs> and it's a book called Factfulness. Uh, and the strap line that goes with it is 10 reasons we're wrong about the world and why things are better than you think. Wow. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us that whilst we can sometimes feel very down about things, there's an awful lot of good in the world. There's mm-hmm. an awful lot of improvements to the world. And yeah, based on the conversation we've had today, it's a very exciting time to be alive, uh, not just from a technology perspective, but also the advancements that mankind are making. So I think it's an interesting book for you to check out if you want to have a, a slightly different steer uh, from the probably tech books that you read a lot of the time. That's awesome. Really positive uh, positive view. And Kyle, what about you? Yeah, for, so for me, it's not one I've, I've got personally at the minute, but um, I've seen a lot of talk around the, the Unicorn Project book. The Unicorn Project. Yeah, so that's so. the follow-up to the Phoenix Project, yes, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so hopefully get, get hold of that soon. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a good point. I've uh, I've actually ordered that one, but I haven't found the time to to read it yet in the big <laughs> That's the hardest bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, in which case, I think uh, that's about time for us to wrap up the show. Just want to say thank you very much to Simon and to Kyle for joining us today. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And for those of you who've enjoyed the show, uh, please do make sure and give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can follow the show using our Twitter account, which is at Spotting Clouds. Uh, you can use the hashtag Spotting Clouds as well for any general chit chat, comms, and suggestions for things you might like covered in future episodes. Uh, and in the meantime, have an amazing Christmas and amazing New Year, and we'll see you in 2020. Indeed. Mm-hmm.